You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users all across sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. It's DraftKings.com for details. Today on the Soda Pod, right in the hoppy hour, we're bringing on Judd Zolgad from Score North. We're going to talk about what we're drinking and a few other things around the NHL. It's the Friday episode, so that means it's heavy, heavy, heavy Minnesota wild talk. Just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who joined our live stream, our bonus live stream yesterday. We're going to talk Suda Parise, Kaprizov contract, the status of Matthew Dumba and Kevin Fiala, and of course, a little bit of expansion talk as well. All that and more in episode 177 of the Soda Pod. Let's go. Wildwoods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the Soda Pod. Ishidromi here alongside the state of Hoppy. And thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. You heard it in the intro. We got Judd Zolgad from Score North returning to the Soda Pod again. He's riding shotgun throughout the whole episode. Judd, how's it going? It's going fantastic. I, I mean, after uh, Tuesday's events, um, we are not going to slow down here. Th- this is going to be a very a brief and active uh, few months here before training camp start again. But uh, my goodness, I thought that they could take a breath in the National Hockey League, like say for five days or something like that. I was incorrect about that. It's going to be full steam ahead. And, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it because, as you guys know, we at the Mackie and Judd show score North are into reckless speculation and nothing screams reckless speculation, like a move that, that if I had come onto your show a week ago and said, Hey, you guys, guess what? I think <laughs> Ryan Suter gets bought out too. You would have shut me off. That would have been it. My parents done. So uh, it's absolutely <laughs> great fun. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that uh, momentarily. Hoppy, how's it going? Oh man, I mean we we've had Judd on here before and like there's nothing to talk about and he still makes it exciting. I don't know what we're about to step into here. <laughs> I mean, Hoppy was telling me he was uh, messaging you on Twitter and he's like, Judd, I don't know what we're going to talk about when we meet up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we got nothing to talk about now. <laughs> I said, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, we'll get into all of that and more uh, in the next segment. Folks, I just want to remind uh, you all to hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at the Soda Pod. You can also leave a text or voicemail at 612-324-1684. We want to hear what you're drinking, the beers you like. We want to hear your wild takes. We want to hear your reaction to this insane buyout this week a pair of buyouts for the minnesota wild um the hockey podcast network and the soda pod is always powered by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports use promo code thpn upon sign up for a bonus and if you're a regular user plug that promo code in for a weekly deal all right on the other side first segment of the show the hoppy hour here in episode 177 of the soda pod presented by the hockey podcast network First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalock. To Stalock! To Stalock! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. You're all hopped out? All right, Judd, you've been here before, like Hoppy said. You know the drill. We make the rounds of what's on tap as we start this show. So we'll start with you, sir. Uh, what are you drinking here tonight? Um, I'm going local. I have, in fact, I'll show it to you right now because I popped it already. Some Summit Extra Pale on uh, tap this evening, or I should say in a bottle, which is always an outstanding beer. So uh, I am ready to go. Pretty high alcohol content, but not ridiculous. Not ridiculous. Uh, But I love, unfortunately for my beer gut, I love my IPAs. We're huge IPA guys as well. And I think, Hoppy, don't you got an IPA on tap? Certainly do. We have Jason Waterfalls from Junkyard Brewing. Um, 
and it's even got the little tagline at the bottom. Don't go Jason waterfalls. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, also got to give a shout out to Q for a brilliant junkyard hat that he brought back for me. Oh, I was a little premature zooming out there. There you go. Oh, that's sick. I love it. Mm. Very. Yep, uh, he went up to the tap room, muled it back for me. Uh, this one is delicious, Isha. This actually, man, this is up there for some of the ones that I even sent to you. Um, and I don't know if this one will be here when you get here, but we'll find something else for you. Don't you worry. Um, just kind of more of a like juicy one and oh isha you'll love this it's 6.9 percent alcohol oh, perfect for soda oh, pod baby. recordings <laughs> oh you are gonna have hot takes very shortly <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard us monday we both were uh pre-gaming before the podcast and it got got a little messy real quick um <laughs> i i had some wine left from the weekend uh kono sir it's a cabernet savignon so i'm sipping on that right now but i also have a beer to pop later in the show uh it's a north coast trail ale from scarlet ibis pub it's a tiny tiny brewery north vancouver island like as north as you can go where the facility is not even big enough yet to brew like mass production so it's actually this uh this line of it anyways is brewed and canned where this office is located in Nanaimo, British Columbia. And 25 cents for every can sale goes towards uh, park maintenance for some of the trails. And the North Coast Trail is actually one that I'm going to be hiking uh, later this summer, early fall. So super excited to support those at North Coast Trail Ale, Scarlet Ibis Pub. That's very nice. And is that a Don Cherry bobblehead that I see to your left? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I want that. I will come and pick that up from. Do, do you have access to another one? Because that's awesome, <laughs> Judd. I will. I'll be in contact with you because I may know okay. a guy. And if not, okay. you'll just have to come visit. Uh, record a segment in the studio. I may. Uh, I may. Uh, I may give this to you on your way out. Because I, I was going to say I've got a bunch of baseball ones here. Like because the Twins have had you know a ton right. of, of them, and I, I've got the obscure like Matt Lawton one. But I don't have anything close to a grapes bobblehead. We got grapes. I got I got Bertuzzi in here. I got a beret in uh, the Florida jerseys. When Russo came on, he loved that one. That was the oh, first God, thing. Oh yeah. uh, yeah, he noticed that right away. See, I'm I'm all about controversy with my bobbleheads. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I like people that. still think he sucks. I still think they're wrong. Well, we'll see if he bounces back uh, next season with the Senators. Correct. I mean, Pierre Maguire is going to whisper sweet nothings to him. For oh, the you know what? Before He's going to be incredible. Before we get done, I'd love to touch on that one. <laughs> yeah. The Pierre Maguire hire. Take, take, take the floor. Go. Well, I just got a question. And and <laughs> so Pierre was on, has been, it's been a long time, but he came on our show on occasion and he's a, he's a nice guy. So oh, I have yeah. nothing against him, but I do have a question. How do you, how does a franchise in 2021 hire a guy who is so obviously anti-analytics when that is sort of, you know, an important thing now. I'm, I'm not saying it's a be-all, end-all, because I don't believe that. But, I mean, he took shots at analytics, it felt like, at every turn. So, like, uh, okay, what are you going to bring exactly there? Well, well, not only that, Joe, but if you look at his resume, other than leaving Baton Rouge of the ECHL, he's been fired from every position. <laughs> yes. Everyone gets fired from positions in the NHL. You don't walk away. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm being fired from positions that the players were mocking him on the way out. Yeah. Maybe well, he coached the Whalers when he was pretty young, if I'm not 32. mistaken. 32. I think at the time he was the youngest coach in NHL history. Yep. And he was on the bench, uh, I believe, as an assistant to Badger Bob Johnson with the Pittsburgh Penguins. When in they the beat US. my, when they beat my, if, if you can see the cap, my North Stars uh, in 91. I think that had more to do with a guy named Lemieux than it had to do with um with uh, Pierre Maguire. Pocket, Lemieux, Yager. Uh, we could go through the list. <laughs> it was a hell of a team. Russell. I I think I wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't uh Vancouver Island boy Doug Bodger also on that team? He could have uh, yes. there you go. I believe it was. And if I am not mistaken, uh legendary voice of the, the North Stars and a childhood hero of mine, Al Shaver, lives on Vancouver Island to this day. Ah. Uh. I, I actually knew that. I don't know how I didn't bring this up before. There you go. There you go. Hoppy, even Judd knows Vancouver Island. Jesus, man. Oh, yeah. Al was the greatest. Al, in fact, I think Al, if I'm not mistaken, I read this a while back uh, before his wife passed away a few years ago. He was participating in community theater uh, on the island. That oh, they, okay. They had a theater and he was in several or a few of the plays that they had done. 
I got to look more into that, but that's so cool. Look at that. Judd, this is why we bring you on the show. Useless information. That is what resides (laughs) in my noggin. That's what we love. Uh, Before we move on and again, dive into all things Minnesota Wild Talk, we didn't have the opportunity on this podcast, either on the Monday or Wednesday episode, to dive into uh, the news around Pecorine, you know, hanging up the skates after an outstanding National Hockey League career. Uh, Hoppy, I'll let you take the floor on this one. Yeah, and I, I want to make sure that I'm not overly preaching to the two of you, but are you guys familiar with his story of how he got to the NHL? I don't think I am. No. Go right ahead. So Pekka was a backup goalie over in Finland. We're going to have a couple of Minnesota ties here, but backup goalie to a one and only Nicholas Backstrom okay. wow. at the time. And Backstrom was in his... Uh, in his, uh, he's past being drafted at that point by a couple of years, but, uh, Pecorine, this like 16 year old who is not playing any games, uh, someone actually reaches out and gets a hold of another Minnesota Wild, uh, member now in Ray Shero, who is working alongside Mr. Poyle over with the Nashville Predators, says, Hey, you need to come out and see this guy. He doesn't get much chance to play, but, you should come out and watch him in warm-ups. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> you want me to come out and For watch warm-ups? this guy in warm-ups? And they're like, yes, yes, it'll be worth your time. And I don't know if he went or if he sent someone, but someone actually went and watched him in warm-ups and said, you know what, we'll take a flyer on this guy in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. And here we are 15 years after he actually steps in and plays. And what a great career he had. Ends with 15 years and also 15 National Hockey League points. Again, wow. useless stats, but I found that funny. <laughs> that's a pretty impre- that's pretty impressive, though. Yeah, for a goaltender, um, he did like to handle the puck, and uh, at his peak, he he was one of the greatest. And I I compare him to Amika Kiprasov, not just because of his obviously being Finnish, but just the just the pure dominance, the way he just stared down sometimes just like two players, like the entire play, like he knew exactly what was happening and he wasn't as athletic as a Kippersoff and not to say that <laughs> Kippersoff was like a fit professional athlete, just as his, his playing style. Um, but definitely just as serious. And he was, he was the wall, you know, you see that meme, you see that, you know, the gif, you see all the, <laughs> those props that the fans brought to games. Like I couldn't describe a goaltender uh, better than a wall when talking about Pecorino. And it, and he is so it, it's not not as if this is uh, some great Mount Rushmore, but if you were to consider the guys most associated with that franchise, he's probably at the top, right? As he's far as players tied to them and seen as as um, all time Preds, he probably leads that list now. Yeah, he's definitely been there the longest, or he's he's up there. But I mean, well, you he's know, one of the only ones that's been there for their whole yeah, career. Yeah, right? because at at one point before he, he signed here, it was probably Suter and Weber. Uh, but yeah, he has yeah, Mike uh, Fisher. He was with them for yeah, a while too. Right. Uh, he was late. Actually, in the career, yeah, because he was with Ottawa for uh, he was with Ottawa yeah, for a right. while. But yeah, great career, no question about it. And uh, I'm guessing he, he, I'm guessing they're going to find a way to keep him there if they possibly can. To, I, I don't know, dabble in broadcasting or something. Do something that will. Uh, in, in fact, you know what? He probably is in track on track for what everyone who was a franchise. Legend is on track for now, which is hi. I'm president of hockey operations, or I'm executive vice. Well, no, I'm. It's like Madonna's here. Um, just go down the, the list. Daniel and Henrik are with the, uh, with the exactly now. right. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so yeah, so he will have some role. My guess was is with the Predators. Absolutely. Maybe it's just hey. Maybe it just starts with like goalie scouting and development there, just like uh, like um, Hexall did with the LA Kings when he was mm-hmm. getting into management as well. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great story there, Hoppy. Look, look at all this enlightenment just in the opening segments of the Soda Pod. Absolutely love it. All right, on the other side, diving into all things Minnesota Wild Talk here with Judd Zolgad of Score North. You're listening to episode 177 of the Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. All right. I know in our last episode, it was it was a bonus episode. It was our reaction to the Ryan Suter and Zach Parise buyout. We have Judd Zolgad on the episode now to just further talk about it. Um, as Hoppy and I were just mostly reactionary and we're just pulling at threads at that point. We've had 24 hours uh, at the time of this recording to digest it. So... Judd, my first question for you in regards to this news is actually, did you hear anything prior or was this as much of a shock to you as just 
the rest of the hockey world and, and the state of hockey. The Ryan Suter part of this absolutely shocked everybody. I don't know anybody it didn't. And I'll tell you right now, I, I think the most shocked, Ryan Suter. Um, this, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have read Russo's story and I heard this from a couple of sources, but you know, when, when, uh, they tried to call him and inform him that he was being bought out, he let it go to voicemail. Then Parisi, who, by the way, and here's the funniest thing is Zach Parisi's thrilled today. Like oh, he couldn't be happy. Relieved. He, want, He's he wanted, he wanted this and, and he made it very clear that this was his goal. And if you recall, Bill Guerin, I think at the end of his season uh, press access, essentially said, I don't like to buy guys out. And so a lot of people <laughs> thought, OK, he's not going to buy out Parisi. But Parisi was pushing for it. He got his way. And then it becomes Parisi who has to call Ryan to be like, dude, you got to call them. Pick up your phone. They're going to buy you out, too. <laughs> um, and, and then the great part of the conversation now is, is that it sounds like it sounds like Guerin and Leopold called Suter, put him on speakerphone to sort of explain this. And he hangs up on them because he's so taken aback and mad. Uh, but yeah, nobody saw this coming. And and you guys, the incredible thing is this. I mean, Garen has, who's a pretty forthcoming guy, appeared on uh, Judd's Hockey Podcast today. He's been saying for two days, and I don't doubt him, that this has been in the works for, or at least in a brainstorming session for six to eight months, and that, you know, that this has been basically going down internally with the Wild for two months. And wow. so so this is, I, you know, congratulations to everyone who kept their mouth shut, because in 2021 with Twitter and with guys like Russo and, you know, nationally up into Canada, Darren Drager, uh, the Bob McKenzie's, the Elliot Friedman's, I could go down a huge list to keep this that quiet. Ryan Suter, absolutely incredible. So one I was not surprised by and I thought was a great idea. And I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought that they would leave like they came in, which was as a package deal. And, and that's what's ironic and both hilarious about it uh <laughs> hoppy where do you want to take this well I, I gotta ask then judd do we have initial thoughts on where both or either might end up uh just what i've seen reported which makes some sense um i think Suter. so i've seen boston as a potential landing spot i think he's going to want to stick it to the wild you're with me i've seen colorado it makes perfect sense oh uh-uh um, I have I have seen Vegas, which makes a lot of sense. Now I've also seen Vegas for Zach because DeBoer is there and they're and they're friends. Uh, I think Zach actually, you know what I think he should do, and and it came close to happening. And his dad played there. I think Zach on a depth line with the Islanders is a perfect fit. Like look at their style, look at how they play. He is, I mean, he. The suitor thing that's shocking is he's not cooked. Like he's not cooked. He has hockey left. He's more than a serviceable defenseman. He's a, he's, oh, a, he, you know, he's a second pairing guy, hands down. Absolutely. Now, Zach, you could argue, is cooked. And don't tell me he came back and played well at the end of the playoffs. He did Thank that because he hadn't been playing. Thank he, you. But, but I mean, there has never been a question about Zach Parisi and his work ethic on the ice. Like, this is not a, oh, he's lazy now, he's not trying hard. No, he's just beaten to hell, uh, and therefore I think he might be cooked. But anyway, the Islanders, I think if they use him on their third or fourth line, which, by the way, in today's in today's uh, game is a huge deal still. It's really important. I think he fits in systematically the best there. I think Vegas and Colorado move far too fast for what Zach can do. Ryan, because he plays an effortless game for the most part, I think could play on a faster team and it wouldn't be as a, it, it wouldn't be as apparently bad as Zach would. Uh, but I really do believe that Ryan, Zach, I think is happy to be gone. Ryan is going to be bitter. And I think Ryan is going to want to sign with a Western Conference team and get every opportunity not only to contend for a cup, but to go right through the Excel Energy Center in doing so. And I look forward to the drama. We love drama. We love drama. It's oh, great. Um, so so how does this all affect Matt Dumba's status now with the team? Because it, it was we always overlooked it, but now upon reflection, it was kind of always evident that Billy Garrett never wanted to walk away from Matt Dumba unless he absolutely had to. Yeah. Well, first of all, I firmly believe this. I believe that the Wild would have traded Dumba as soon as they could have, that Garen would have, if the return had been what everybody thought. 
This is the problem. I think when the phone call started to fly on, you know, hey, we're offering you a a, a puck-moving defenseman. Yeah, he's defensively flawed, but he can shoot the puck. He can certainly make some plays. I think they thought for a while, that's our ticket to a center, a pretty good one. I think the rest of the league said, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. We're talking about a premium. uh, To me, the centers in this league who are upper, upper echelon, are akin to really good starting ace pitchers in baseball. Like, they're really hard to find. Good defensemen are hard to find, but not as hard. So I think when they start to shop Dumba, they basically were offered decent packages, but not great. And Bill Garrett's like, I'm not going to give them to you. What are you talking about? And so that's where I think we started to have some, some probably hesitancy in trading Dumba. But you know what? So the the one thing that Garen told us today on our show that he didn't mention at the press conference that I thought was very telling, because look, the Parisi and Suter jettisoning both of them in tandem, you know, we all know, know this. It's not a secret. It also comes to chemistry in the locker room and, and sort of how those two process things. And the fact that they were the big kids on campus for a long time and, you know, Zach clearly didn't and he shouldn't have, but he didn't take it well when he got scratched or demoted. Um, what Garen told us today that I think is extremely telling and sort of extends into to the locker room is he said Ryan's minutes were going to come way down. And so he, I think, because they're smart enough to look at this, he looked at what they went through with Parisi. And by the way, Bill Guerin has worked his ass off, and I like this because he's a former captain and a two-time as a player, Stanley Cup champion. Bill Guerin's worked his butt off to redo the chemistry in that room. So I think what he looked at was with Ryan, we're going to go through the exact same thing. Like if he goes from playing, you know, 25 minutes a night or something like that to to let's say 15 to 20. We're going to go through the exact same thing. He's not going to be happy. He's going to complain. He's going to go to Dean. He's going to go to the owner. You know, I, I mean, Craig and Craig and Ryan were incredibly tight. Yeah, so, from the Nashville days, of course. Yeah, so he cut that off. And I think that that despite the fact that this is going to cause some salary cap hurt, certainly in a couple of years or a year, that he wanted to get around that. Independent of that, I think they were very disappointed what they found out Dumba was going to get them. And you are not going to give away a guy with Dumba's skill set, nor should you. He drives you crazy at times. He drives me nuts. But there are things he does that make him valuable. And you're just not going to be like, we have to get rid of this guy. I mean, the real question is where where is the path forward then with Dumba? Like, are they still going to now once we see some of this shape out with the expansion draft once we see a seth jones and we see a dougie hamilton sort out their situations and there is a real market for him where our back isn't against the wall Mm -hmm. does garen revisit this or is he firm behind dumba i want to keep him kaprizov will be happy like where does this fall i think this falls in in the once the expansion draft is done and they see who they've lost if they don't lose Susie, i wouldn't be surprised if he continues not to aggressively try and dump him but i think dumba i don't think he's completely safe i i think that there could be a, a chance and this team needs a center like there's no no debating that we we could talk all we want about well rossi's going to come in next year right but is he going to play immediately and bill garen and this team don't gift you a job like you don't just show up at training camp and hey here's your job so i think what remains to be seen is once we're through next wednesday night and and let's say the crack and take couple because that's a possibility i don't think they'll take him but let's just say that uh then if susie's still here i think there's a chance that they make a move on dumba eventually before the season starts uh, but i think we have to see how that shakes out and Whatever you're going to trade, if you're going to get a center who's going to slot above Erickson Eck, which is what you want, that's going to cost you, you guys. Like, like I mean, that's not going to be cheap. And and I've been saying if they're going to go really big game shop, big game shopping here at the center position, uh, I think Kevin Fiala's fair game. Like, I think that there's a chance. I'm again, I don't think they want to trade him, but it's going to cost you a player like that. But if you're going to go into the next tier, I could see a Dumba package, possibly at least being discussed yeah and that that's kind of where we land as well and that's a perfect segue because i was going to ask you 
um, what you've heard of or what you believe Fiala's status is or if his negotiations are going good or even just better than those of Kirill Kaprizov's camp in the Minnesota Wild right now? Well, Garen said that they're talking to all camps, that the Kevin Weeks tweet, to quote him, was irresponsible in essentially saying that the talks with Kirill had broken down. He's like, they, they, have, they have not broken down. We're still talking. Um, you know, that being said, I think the Kirill contract comes down to term. And that Kirill probably wants three years to walk him in, into free agency. And that Bill Guerin, I don't blame him one bit, probably saying, hey, let's start at let's start at five and go to at least eight. Uh, so I think I think that um, that issue is just as much about term as money, uh, because, you know, it, if you're Bill Guerin, you're not doing your job. If in four years, uh, Kirill is wearing a Ranger sweater. Or a king sweater. <laughs> You're not doing your job, right? I love how those are the two locations. Well, but I mean, think about it. So anyway, every time, every time. I know, I know. But well, I, it's not. I can't say uh, the Panthers. It's just not as sexy. There's, there's, um, there's, there's a stereotype. Exactly. Right. He's going to be wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. But it, I think the Fiala thing comes down to Fiala's probably waiting to see how much Kirill gets, what Kirill gets, and that's why I'm that I really like kevin like yeah me too i i i keep saying this to me and in a lot of ways and some of this is a good statement and some of it's a bad statement to me if you saw if you guys have seen you're probably too too young to have seen him play live kent nielsen the magic man calgary flames one of the marvelous talents a guy seen at in his day as sort of like the second best player as far as pure skill goes to gretzky but there were moments where he'd show up and there were moments where he, he wouldn't. I think this team is bothered at times by how Fiala plays. And so I don't think he's off limits, but he's got a special skill set. Uh, and I my guess is he sees himself as being way more of a Kirill comp than a lot of us do probably. So I just wonder how that negotiation is going to go. And once Kaprizov does sign, what that's going to mean for Fiala. And again, if you want to get this, a center that they probably are trying to go after, the starting price might be Kevin Fiala. Well, and humor me here, Judd. We've we've got Kevin Fiala. And can you tell me who in the NHL loves Kevin Fiala more than anyone else? <laughs> Who is that? His name is Paul Fenton. Oh, can, can you tell me which organization he works for now? Is he in Florida now? He is in Florida now. Yeah, I. I so I mean, I think you can see where I'm slowly yeah. uh, snowballing oh. this. Oh, you're going. Oh, oh keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I, I'm gonna I, pop my next I don't, summit. I don't think I need to, but I, I, since since you need to open that, I'll I'll just say the words for you. Um, do we think that? Kevin Fiala might be a big enough piece, obviously with some supplementary pieces, right? Right. To make a move on a Sasha Barkov. That's a really interesting question because I guess the my I, I guess my comeback to you, it's a great thought, but my comeback to you is how much pull does Paul Fetton have there? Because like all, all, all these GMs now have, as Garen does, former GMs who are like, hey, you should do this. No, do do this. Um also, this comes back to the position, the center position. I just think they're so hard to find. Like, do you tr- do you trade a guy like that unless you absolutely positively have to? Um, but it's an interesting one because, I mean, his name's been out there. I wouldn't dismiss it. I wouldn't dismiss it. And then I guess the question becomes, okay, if that's the, if that's the starting parameter for the trade, what else does the wild have to kick in? Because I will say, I will say one thing that's be going to become very important here is the wild's not going to start dumping draft picks and prospects. When you look at what the buyouts that they exactly, did yeah. are going to do to yep. their future. I here's where Bill Guerin, here's what we're not talking about enough when it comes to the buyouts now. Bill Guerin is basically, without telling you this, saying July 4th, 2012, 13-year, $98 million contracts for two players, was a great free agent day. Like, in this state's history, it will always be the greatest free agent day. It was the day that we felt like Yankees fans. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, you you went out and did what? But what Bill Guerin's telling you, and he's not wrong, is July 1st isn't when you make your team. It's when you supplement it, but you don't make it. 
And so now I think off the table are the Boldies and the Rossies because those guys are going to have to come through. Um, and look, Chuck Fletcher did a lot of good as far as trying to make an impact. But what did Chuck not do? He didn't treat draft picks like they mattered. Like he traded them like they were candy. Oh, take this one. Take that one. Last year, four draft picks in the first three rounds. This year, five in the first three rounds. This team is going to have to be built on inexpensive, good players in the next few years if they are going to be successful. And so I think what Garen's doing is he's also examining, and this makes a lot of sense, he's examining what Tampa Bay does. Like, look at Tampa Bay. They are not a July 1st player. They develop players. They make savvy moves, great savvy moves. They certainly have good players. Um, but that's but that's why, so like if a Fiala trade happens, it's much more logical that it would start with Fiala. But I think this whole thing of, well, throw in Boldy maybe or throw in Rossi and a first-round pick, I think Bill Guerin, and I might be totally wrong here, I think he has no intention of doing that. No, I agree. And Judd, this is how we know you're a pro is you literally have answered every question with an answer of my next question, which was, which was <laughs> right here going to be, you know, how, how much is the pressure on Judd Brackett as well? Not just because of this crop of rookies from last year and, you know, the Boldies, the Rossies who are coming in, but realistically this year's draft and next year's draft, they're going to have to be, some of those picks are going to have to be expected to play, you know, when year three and four of this buyout, you know, transpires and they have to fill in the depth of this team, the Minnesota wild that is with entry level contracts who can play. So, I mean, how much is the pressure on this organization now, not only with the Boldies and the Rossies, but with the next two drafts. Absolutely huge. And it should be. And that's fine. I, I mean, this is how their theory of how they're going to build this team, at least from a theory standpoint, is the right one now. Um, fans and, and us as well, we all love free agent splash moves because they're great to talk about. They're fun. We know the players. We know their names. It's easy. Uh, but the reality is in all sports, that's not how you build your roster out. It's how you supplement your roster, but it's not how you build your roster. Uh, and and Judd, beyond having a fantastic first name, I don't know who his parents were, but congratulations, <laughs> Judd Brackett's parents. He came here, and I'm sure he's well paid. He came here with a reputation as well, which is a really good one. Um, and Bill Garrett, I think, smart enough to delegate to him. The pressure is on, but here's here's my takeaway. I like what they're doing and how they're doing it. I'd much rather have the pressure on me to build my franchise through the draft than to be like to than to go to Craig Leopold tomorrow and say, let's sign some more guys. Let's sign some more 35-year-old guys. You know, let's get the next Eric Stahl, who by the way was a great deal at the time, but Eric Stahl is a perfect example of how you supplement your team, not how you build your team. Mm -hmm. So I think the pressure is tremendous, but I also like, I also like the gamble. Like if this is the gamble that they're taking, I like this theory much more than let's go try and sign um, three, you know, I'll give you the perfect name, Thomas Vanek. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a perfect name. You know, Thomas Vanek's going to be here. And I mean, do you guys know how long we talked about Thomas Vanek being a sure thing? And he was to sign here. Do you know how disappointing that was? What a bust that was? I'll give you another one. He's a great guy. Local media guy. Mark Parrish. Mark Parrish going to sign here. What did those guys do? Like that's the that's where I would much rather give a young player who I like and drafted a chance than we're overpaying a guy who guess what what's the one thing that the Wild has way too big a history of doing buying guys out. Yeah, and by and large, like you and I agree far too often, Judd. Um, well, the one I'm thing that for. I'll I'll kind of supplement and push back on though too, because like I agree with you, supplemental guys are the way to go. I, I was listening to an interview with John Cooper talking about just that. Trade deadline comes. We're not trading for a first line player. We're trading for third pairing, Depth. bottom six, forward, whatever. Amen. Like we are looking for the right guys that come at the right price. Yep. Um, but we look back at like past wild regimes, right, where they're throwing out first round picks like candy. What the hell were they doing with them when they used them? They didn't know how to draft. Like, and right. that's a different problem entirely. You got to figure that out. But it's just a weird combination now where we have the right staff in place to bring in the right guys to train them and develop them and have that future in the NHL. 
well, let's go through. So to, to go back 20 years now, let's go through a <laughs> wild, a wild GM history lesson. Okay. Oh, and I'm going to give you, but, but happy, you're a thousand percent. Right. And let's start with the first GM, Doug Riseborough. Now the best thing that he did. Well, okay. It's actually the worst thing, but it's the best thing was hire Jacques Lemaire because Jacques Lemaire could take a turnip and get 32 wins or something. Like it was incredible. <laughs> like that 2003 run, people don't understand. I'll never forget when Brunette scored the goal in Colorado in OT in game seven, Lemaire turned to Tremblay. And like, I remember watching it from the press box and looked like, what did they just do? Like, this is the most incredible. They didn't. And he's like, yeah, they did. We won. Um, but Doug, Doug had had the Gilmore trade in Calgary. Doug had had, as far as a manager goes, a lot of bad missteps. So that's a bad start. And his drafts were not great. Um, okay, then we go to Chuck. Now, Chuck was, and he might have had pressure as well, but Chuck was trying to win now, right? And so, yeah, he's throwing around draft picks. He's, like, making these, these deals. Uh, and they were fun. It was fun to see. The free agent signings were fun. But it was an ineffective way to chase a championship. And then we had Paul Fenton, who I actually he got fired for other reasons. But where yep. I but where I'm going to give Paul Fenton credit because I I was saying this for years, and and this is why I I actually do, although they they deserve their place in Wild history, I celebrate the buyouts of Suter and Preezy. I celebrate them because Fenton started cleaning the locker room out. And you know what the Wild had by the end of Chuck Fletcher? A really probably halfway decent fantasy hockey team. He did. And a fan, but, I mean, favorite, and a fan favorite coach. <laughs> a fan favorite coach, a really decent fantasy hockey team, and guys that sold sweaters. But you know what? He didn't have a collection of human beings who worked well together. And that's how you, that's a big part of winning a cup. And so Bill Guerin's the first guy to really understand what he's doing. Because it takes nuance, it takes smarts, and the bracket, like, to go back, Hoppy, to your point about the draft, think about this one. Think about the people that were in charge of the draft previously, and not just the GMs. Like, the Wild had a lot of guys. I think Fenton had his kid in charge of the draft. Yeah, he's now, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, um, Doug had Tommy Thompson, who was a very nice guy, but I don't know he was a great scout. Uh, so this is the first time that the Wild actually, I think, has gone out and spent significantly on a guy to be in charge of the draft seems pretty important to me. I'm not sure about you guys. Seems pretty important to me. Yeah, well, Judd, it's, it's it's fairly important. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out in BC, right? So like, I was devastated to see Judd Brackett walk, but I, and I was like, okay, it's not as bad that it's you know it's with the Wild, the team I cover here, so that that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and and Judd, I got one other thing too because I think you hit on something that I don't agree that it's necessarily the players that couldn't work well together under Fletcher. Like I think it was actually like a fairly tight knit group. It's the fact that their feet were never held to the fire. Like you look throughout their tenure there under Chuck Fletcher, he was never going to make big moves, send guys out. He was just going to trade draft picks to try and bring in one more guy to hopefully be that last piece to glue it together. Whereas Bill Guerin doesn't give a shit. You don't do what he wants. You're gone. <laughs> yeah. Two things off of that is, is you're right. Once, once Chuck had his guys in place, he wasn't going to trade him, which was a problem because he didn't, have that pressure but i'll never forget after mike yo got fired he did uh press access at and i'm not joking at like a caribou coffee just to sort of be like well here's what happened i'd yeah. like to speak for myself and now, now did russo go to that because it wasn't at starbucks <laughs> i think he boycotted it but sat outside <laughs> um but the important thing about that entire thing was, and this is the very telling thing, and Boudreaux and Parrish alluded to this on NHL Network yesterday, which drove me crazy. You guys, just go in. Tell us what happened. Um, Yo said the younger group and the older group never really got along, and that was important. Keep, keep in mind, like, if we're going to go down this path, keep in mind. So Parisi and Suter had A's on their jerseys. And there was an assumption that they were going to lead. Eh, it was an assumption. It didn't happen. Uh, but guys like Nino and Coyle and Granlund and Zucker 
never developed um, like they should have as far as in the room because Parisi and Suter were, were very concerned about, hold on, let's see, who were they concerned about? Parisi and Suter. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm pretty certain, and this is a total guess. Okay, this is reckless speculation on my part, but I'm gonna. That means it's right, right? <laughs> but I, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you my 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 dime store theory, uh, and this is not a bad thing to do. It's a really smart thing, but I contended all last year, and we didn't get in the room once because of COVID. I contended all last year that the presence of Benino and Ian Cole was enormous to this team in the locker room because those guys they're veterans they've got two cups apiece with pittsburgh like bill Guerin did um i contend now that bill Guerin, who's a smart guy probably also said keep an eye on the room and see what you think just see what yeah. you think like because i mean billy's billy uh, billy doesn't straight me the type of guy who's going to go in the room a ton and like like he knows that that management player dynamic so so he wasn't going to be like i'm going to hang out in the locker room and see what happens um, but you know, it doesn't, it's no skin off Cole or Benino's nose to be like, okay, it, it wasn't as good as it could have been. It was good, but not great. Um, so I do wonder if the whole suitor thing also came together because sort of what Bill Guerin's suspicion was and belief was, was just, was just, um, articulated by those two. And he's like, okay, that's not going to work here. We're never going to win a cup if we don't have everybody pulling together. Total guess. Ishit, Ishit, Judd is a more articulate me. Yeah, that's true. That's it. If, if only I could pay you more, Judd. <laughs> hold, hold on a second. My Venmo, which I don't have. I'm going to check my Venmo to see. I'm going to tell you right now. Me. I'm in Canada. I don't even know what Venmo is. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? I know what what it is. I have no idea how to use it. I'll send you the Don Cherry bobblehead and some. We'll do that. Oh, if I get the Don Cherry bobblehead, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, that's all the questions I have, Hoppy. Do you have anything last, uh, any last things for Judd here? Well, I mean, uh, the real question, because you already hit on this a little bit and kind of brushed off my initial indications. So I want to hear from you. What's happening in expansion for the wild? As far as who's going to be protected or who's going to be no, gone? No, who's going to be gone? Oh, um, I think Susie's gone. I, I think they're going to expose Susie. I think his contract, if you're the Kraken, is really a good contract to get. Yep. Get. I like what he brings. I mean, I don't love him, but I think he's a good player uh, with a bright future. I think he makes the most sense because, well, and here's my question about the Kraken that I'll throw back at you guys. What do you think their mission is? Because the Golden Knights screwed up for everybody. And, and the Kraken's got the same expansion draft. So... Like, I wonder, and the, by the way, they're run by a lot of the same people um, high up that ran the expansion wild. Like, Wiki's there. Um, I think Jack Sperling's a consultant of some sort. He was here as well. Brilliant man. So I wonder what the mission immediately is going to be. Like, do they, because my, my expansion thing before the, the Golden Knights is you should stink. I always wish the wild had been a terrible team for three years. When, when they made that run to the conference finals, I'm like, what are you doing? Stink. <laughs> you'll sell the building out and you'll get a top five draft pick. So, but I think Susie goes, uh, uh, my second choice would probably be Capo because that would be an attractive young goaltender to get. And I do think he has a decent future, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it's Susie Dumba is protected. I don't think that they let, because do, do they, they don't need the immediate cap room now for 2021, no, 22, yeah. right? No, 100%. I, I think Dumba's safe, but I think that Seattle absolutely takes whichever goal is exposed, and I'm not 100% convinced of which one's protected. But I think the, the goal here in the expansion draft for them is, yeah, they're going to bring in decent players because look at the division they're going to play in next year. If they put together half a decent team, they're making the playoffs and they're bringing in a boatload of revenue. And yeah. it's not going to be that hard to do, but for them, it's all about cap flexibility, right? They don't want to go crazy. They might take on one or two big contracts if they get enough assets with it. But I think they're all about the long game here. Hey, if we can pick up draft picks, if we can pick up assets, cool. But let's stay the course and not bog ourselves down with massive contracts. Because yeah. look at what Vegas has done. Well, and to jump look off, at the big name players they've been able to bring in. Totally. Yep. And to jump off what, what Hoppy said there again, with the division being as weak as it is this year, they could bring in you know a hodgepodge group who maybe you know 
have the chemistry the first year because of all the momentum and the excitement, but, you know, maybe don't mesh much like, you know, you alluded to with, with some of the wild players in, in, uh, in history's past. And then they just move some of those players for the pieces that they want to bring in those who have not high value, but enough to, Hey, maybe we go into a little bit more rebuild traditional expansion team, get some more draft picks, or let's bring in some guys that are pro scouts, like see if it works and then continue to build through the draft. I don't think it's going to be like balls to the wall, all in like Vegas, you know, did right after their first run, right after their first run. But I think it'll be a gradual ascent. And I think that if if they even bring in some decent players, like they're going to be, better than the Canucks. I think that's a given. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that there are many trades made like the Golden Knights had, which was great for them um, with teams that give them a little extra something to not take a guy. Cause I don't think teams that was such a disaster. Yeah. But COVID Judd, the salary uh, cap, that's so the thing. It's, it's not to protect a player. It's more, please, please take this player. Exactly. Okay, right. Sure. So, like, especially, again, with that space, but I think whether it's now in the expansion draft or looking the next couple of years, if we don't see any bump in the salary cap, they're going to weaponize that cap space and they're going to extort teams. And they're going to pick up some great things to take on shitty contracts that people messed up on. Yeah, and what happens here? If if the $81.5 million cap remains flat here, that's for for what i, I think friedman his last report was potentially a five-year period which is of, ins- of it being well insanity if i can talk about that for one second yeah yeah please that drives me crazy because you know what that is i mean covid there are so many things to use your word that professional sports have weaponized because of the pandemic and the salary cap is one you just signed two new US TV deals, which, by the way, congratulations! That's awesome. I, I think that's really smart. Yeah. Um, yep. But you and you're gonna and you're gonna blame the pandemic for a for a potential five year flat cap, like that's BS. Yeah. That's and, a that's it, a it bunch be, of crap. It, it can't, two or three could happen though. Yeah. Two or three. No, but I'm saying let's say it goes five. Oh, that's right, crap. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it's not good. You're hampering your league in the development of the sport too. Like it's but, the, the yes. league's not going to get any better. It's just going to cause more headaches for everybody. But and, and why when you just got two new US TV partners, like I think a flat cap of 2 years is probably I mean it should be going up here at least gradually next season. I know you lost money and I know it hurts, but you're bringing but TV revenue is the be all end all. Like that's where it begins and starts. And if you just signed a new TV deal, I'm not saying the cap should shoot way up, but it should shoot up a little bit. Look, this Judd, is r- it, ridiculous. It, it should shoot up enough for that. I don't care who the management is in Edmonton, but they have to they have to make <laughs> that team relevant because they are wasting this superstar's oh, that's years. Great. I love that talker. That is a marvelous talker. Well, and you know what? Who owns that godforsaken franchise? Who keeps bringing in the same? Who who hires Ken Holland? Who goes out? And I mean, he basically Detroit. Hey, hey, massive upgrade from Torelli. (laughs) No, I know, but I mean, (laughs) but I mean, can you imagine like the young uh, uh, hotshot GMs that would love to have that team and reshape it, and instead? I mean, my God, what are you doing? Mike you Smith, do- Duncan Keith, who else yes. is coming in the door? Right? Dave, like, Davey. Well, who who gave Koskin in the contract extension? Was that, that was Shirelli. That was Shirelli. That, I mean, that was that was that was that, a Shirelli that move. That was I've the end of Shirelli. With all due respect, he ain't- <laughs> they let him do that the day before they canned yes, him. Yes, I know. Why is that but happening? I mean, Connor McDavid. I, I just it makes my head want to explode because this is my favorite sport. And, and I mean, baseball fans, right, rightfully so, you know, complain about, well, Mike Trout stuck with the Angels on the West Coast and people don't see him. You want to know a great player people don't see in the United States of America? Connor Bleepin' McDavid. And he plays on a bad team in Western Canada, and nobody does anything about it. You know, Wayne Gretzky did pretty well on the same franchise. Why? Because they were well run at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, Judd, Judd, that's a perfect transition, though, into we've got an incompetent franchise. We've got an unbelievable generational talent drafted in 2015. What's happening with Jack Eichel? Okay. Number one. (laughs) Well, first of all, did you guys, he's got real serious. (laughs) Did you guys see the Darren Drager tweet? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's why I asked. Okay. So Darren Drager is really good. Yes. One of the best. This is no rip, but his tweet made no sense. (laughs) In one hand, he tweets that the wild is expect to make an offer. But then he tweets about they're going to 
basically be careful with the salary cap and that they don't want to mortgage their team. Okay. Uh, I've got the solution, Judd. Go ahead. Well, it, it's unfortunate because it goes against everything we've talked about earlier, and it makes me very sad by and large, but you send Boldy, Rossi, first-round picks, whatever. Now, now, Judd. I'm listening. I'm shaking my head no, but I'm listening. <laughs> no, no, no. So you see that tweet come out, right? Eichel going to Minnesota for Rossi, Boldy, and picks, and that's coming out from Darren Drager, and Judd's going, uh-uh, uh-uh. Then you see a tweet later from Elliot Friedman that says, Minnesota deal, apparently Buffalo holding on to 50% of salary cap for Jack Eichel. Mm. Now what does Judd say? Mm. Here's my... <laughs> he says, mm. Very interesting. Here, okay, here's my Eichel problem. Because I got problems okay, if, if his neck's okay. I like what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, my question is this. Is, does, is he going to have the surgery? Because if he has the surgery, he's not playing till December, January, right? I mean, he still hasn't had the surgery. Um, the other thing is we've all heard the stories about Eichel and and it and is he is he a product of a product of Buffalo and its bad culture, or is he part of the bad culture in Buffalo? And I don't know. And so that's what concerns and the other thing that concerns me, the third thing is this one. How many teams who would be as top heavy as the Wild would be with Eichel are really good? My pushback hey. on that is that you mean, the Wild may not have a lot of depth right now, but their depth pieces are damn good. So, I, I mean, I don't think they're as top heavy as you paint them there. And as far as the Eichel, I guess, just attitude problems and stuff like that, I would say that there's only one way to find out. It worked out with O'Reilly. It's worked out with some other players who left. O'Reilly is O'Reilly the is like He's an even worse example than Eichel. Eichel's freaking out in the room. O'Reilly was, you know, smashing cars into Tim Hortons. So, I mean. Well, O'Reilly really? said he fell out of love years. with hockey in Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, and it, guess what? Yeah. For what we've seen people say about him in the locker room, hasn't impacted shit on the ice for him because when the guy plays, he puts up numbers. Oh, he I'm can a, absolutely play. I am an ROR stan. Who better to bring in a Jack Eichel East Coast boy oh, there it is. than a Bill Guerin who's going to sit him down and give him his come to Jesus hey. moment? I don't know. Hey, you know, if that can work, it would be a big splash. I just I I have my concerns. Uh, but your yeah. your point about the salary is intriguing. Like if they had agreed to pick up the salary, but do I want to really trade all of these potential young depth parts, right. which then which now I'm not gonna have it? And I mean, let's be honest here. The Wild has some nice players. I can't say that I'm in lo in love with their fourth line, for instance, right now. And I think that fourth line. I don't mind that. It's the second line that scares me right now. Well, but I mean, what oh, is okay, the second we, line? <laughs> Kevin Fiala is the second. Okay, line. Okay, <laughs> so opening night, opening night next year. I think we have new center with Kaprizov. Yeah. Uh, I think the Ek line is the second line. That's my guess. And by the way, Dino loves let that line, so I don't know that he's going to move Eck off that line. Which I hope he doesn't. I think you could argue there will be an argument he should, but I I don't think he does. I think no. it's Greenaway, Eck, Felino, and I think that's a de facto second line. But they're incredibly important because they can shut, shut down, down line. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And 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 the sport has changed. I mean, shut down lines used to be like, well, it's our fourth line. Now it's not. Um, and then a third line that would probably have Fiala on it. And I Rossi. guess, yeah, I, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I've heard different things about Rossi as far as what the expectation is, but there's definitely some people who think he's going to make the team opening night. I don't know if I think he will, but I, don't I think, I think come mid part of the season, he's there and doing something. Um, yeah, Hartman, but he, if you I, I think Hartman, he probably starts in Iowa. You put Hartman on the wing, though, and he can create space, getting you know, get yeah. in the face of some of the guys. Then you leave Rossi and Fiala room. I don't mind that line if it's the third line. That's fine with me. And then the and so Boldy's probably, if he's here, is going to make the team as well. I just, I don't know. The Eichel thing, the neck scares me so much. Uh, I'm fair with that. But guess what? I think Garen's going to do the due diligence and he's not going to make the trade if the neck's not going to check out. Yep. But I, I'm totally with you that if the neck wasn't there, I would give them anything they want for Jack Eichel's talent. And but what the, the neck scares me. And the report, I believe, is that Buffalo is only willing to share medicals with teams that are really involved. Really serious, yeah. Which I would guess that Garen Guess what? If, if Drager says the Wild are in, they're probably seeing medical records. I don't know. <laughs> you know what, though? You're... you're 
logic happy makes sense that the key would be for Buffalo to retain salary. That actually yeah. they have nothing and in to that lose. Case, yeah. I'm ooh, big, big interest. Um, now I know Isha's probably getting antsy here because we're approaching the hour mark. He can delete things out if he needs to, but Judd, I gotta ask you because this is my hot button right now. Yeah, I have a very strong opinion on this, but I want to hear yours. Now that we've lost the face of Quick Trip and their penne, Ryan Suter, who becomes that new face for Quick Trip? Who would you go to from the wild? Has there been a more unlikely guy to make a quick stop at Quick Trip than a guy with a 13-year, $98 million contract? Hey, how dare you? Quick Trip has delicious food. I I agree. And you know what? We make a lot less than good old Ryan Suter does. Um, well, I, I guess my question is this. So I forget who the heating and air conditioning co company is that used to – I think it used to use Suter and, and then it used Jared Spurgeon. So do you just – make Jared Spurgeon the face of Quick Trip because Spurgeon mm -hmm. likes to put his wife and kids on as well. That's a possibility. Uh, okay, that that helps. I'm going the route of someone that definitely does not have a wife or kids. At least I don't believe so. Who's that? Kalen Addison. Oh, no, no. Let's go. It's too early. No, no, no. Quick Trip ain't going from Ryan Suter to Kalen. I mean, Kalen might be very good as a player, and – he might be the quick trip guy in a couple that of years. That mustache, that hair, the young crowd. Oh, the hair. Come on. The Guess what? He's not making the suitor bucks either. He's making the least on the team. How great How great is that mustache? When, <laughs> oh. when did we get back to the porn stash, especially on young people? He normalized it. He did. Good for him. Good for him. Oh, uh, by the way, one quick last thought about the expansion draft that you brought up, Hoppy. Uh, Goaltender-wise, they're protecting Talbot. No question. Okay. And Interesting. So I've heard people strongly on the other side, but I, I have, been have too, no clue. But here's why I say it. Um, like it or not, Bill Guerin's purposely dialed up tremendous pressure on this team because of the salary cap space for one season for this team to win immediately, which is why your Eichel thing actually does make some sense, I think. Mm. Um, but they're not going to then expose Camp Talbot and lose him. Right. Because sure. Capo, I like Capo. He's not ready, and he's no. not a 1A. Well, he's yet. not proven. He's no. not proven. No, not but, even close. But, I mean, you're not going to open the season with what you consider from a front office standpoint to be a Stanley Cup contender big time. Like, like this is a one – I can't articulate this enough. This is a one-year window where there's going to be – there should be huge expectations. This team needs to make a run. I'm not saying people are going to get fired if they don't, but when you freed up... First round exit is no okay. <laughs> Correct. This team needs to make a run. Past the first round, that'll satisfy me, Minnesota Wild fans. No, get to the Western see. Conference Finals. No, don't be sad. <laughs> no, it's time for a 2003 Western Conference Finals run. I am, I am done with the first and second round. Okay, honestly, but, this but time... Colorado, Judd, but Colorado. Hey, last time I checked, they lost. Hey, that is true. That is true. The Montreal Canadiens made the Stanley Cup Finals, man. Which, by the way, breaking news, Shea Weber, apparently, and I haven't heard what the injury is. I saw this. But he, he may be out for the entire next season, and depending on how his rehab goes, it could be the end of his career. Yeah, hot take, hot take. Suter re er, Weber retires and <laughs> destroys the Nashville franchise. <laughs> Absolutely, you might have to buries them. Cap recapture would murder them. Well, it's you, over. Do you remember when we were talking about the Parisi cap recapture? Oh my god, it can't have Bill Garrett's like. Weber's is so much worse. Bill Garrett's like, you ain't seen nothing till I buy out Suter and Parisi. <laughs> oh man! And immediately gut reaction. Montreal buys out Shea Weber. Yeah. <laughs> David Poyle. For Garen, sure. David <laughs> Poyle will walk away at that point. He's like, I've had enough of this crap. Yeah, well, he's, like, <laughs> he's almost there anyways. Yes, he is. Um, John, this has been outstanding. Thank you so much for your time. This has been, hey, I think this has been the heaviest Minnesota Wild-based episode on Friday since we started splitting up the episodes like this for the summer. So we really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun for both of us. Uh, I just want to give a big thank you also to those tuning in on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Folks, the best thing you can do for us this week any week is give us five stars and a kind review on itunes and apple podcast look the review doesn't even have to be kind tell us what you're drinking tell us if you like the suitor and parise buyout you know tell us anything it just helps us rise the rankings on chartables and we appreciate it immensely if you tell us who should be the new face of quick trip. there you go 
please, please do. Um, if you're a fan of hockey podcasts and the soda pod, we have a lot more for you. So go check us out at the hockey podcast network.com and on your app, please download the episode before you listen, as it just helps our business. You can find myself at VI sports talk on Twitter, the soda pod, as always at the soda pod Judd, where can they find you? And, uh, you, you just mentioned you wrapped up a podcast today with Billy Guerin. Uh, what do you yep. got coming up at score North? Uh, score North, scorenorth.com at, at all of the places that you can on the apps that you can find your uh, podcast and we're on YouTube as well. Um, it's going to be great ne- next week as far as Judd's hockey show. It's going to be fantastic. In fact, we're going to do a show this weekend to react to the protected list and then a live show Wednesday as well as the expansion draft unfolds. And before you know it, boys, we'll be dropping the puck again. And I got no complaints about that. It'll be outstanding. No, it, it's it's awesome. It's like we were robbed of a real off season last year with the COVID yes. break and then the, you know, the weird off season leading up yes. to, you know, a mid season start. We're getting nothing but hockey news and hockey talk right up until the puck drops again in preseason. Um, Hoppy, where can they find you on social? You can find me at State of Hoppy most places. Check us out again, the Hockey Podcast Network, Doc Homer at HockeyPodNet. Judd, thanks again. Um, folks, you'll see us back here on Monday. Signing off, I'm Isha Jeromey alongside the State of Hoppy, Judd Zolgad. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, boys? We good. We're outstanding. Bye, Don Cherry. (laughs) Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.